passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. My name is Joy Christopoulos, my co-host, Corey Wooten. But first, today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. Football, it's back and better than ever. And also, BetOnline, it's got a new web interface for the start of the basketball season as well. There are more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to the new updated website. Go on your mobile Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V, 50 to receive your bonus. Basketball, football, baseball, World Series, NHL, boxing, UFC. Write down your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline, it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. It is a Bears 49ers Week 8 preview I'm going to bring in my co-host, and we're going to have our special guest here real quick for the first half of this pod. But first, let's say hello to former Bears defensive end, Fox 32 Chicago's very own Corey Wooten. What's up, Corey? What's up, Joey? How you doing, my man? I know everything looks different in the background. We're doing some uh, renovations, man. Doing a little flooring in there, so stuff looks a little different. You got the two doors here, you know, the six-panel doors. For those of you that don't know, you know, there's a bunch of different types of doors, but that'll be the views today. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see the solar system, what, on the ceiling that you used to do? <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. It's going to look beautiful. Uh, so happy to have you here, Corey. Uh, you know, hopefully we've been able to cleanse a little bit of what's happened to the Bears over the last Oh, man. We're looking forward to the 49ers. We have a very special guest here today to talk with us. He's the host of Believe in 49ers with former 49er himself, former defensive back Eric Davis, our good friend here, Rashawn Haylock. Hello, Rashawn. How are you? Welcome to the pod. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to talk uh, Niners with you guys, but even more excited probably to get some home decorating tips, Corey. So you're, you're going to have to lift the boy up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got you, man. I got you. <laughs> then we'll be talking about you with a credenza the whole idea here is to make sure <laughs> feng shui baby feng shui yeah well and you know what we might be better for i i am a beginner so you you gotta you gotta do home decorating for dummies for me like i am i am a novice for sure <laughs> well the way our football player uh football teams are playing right now it might be better for our head and our heart to just stick on home decor and do a little bob vila episode but we are going to talk right. about bears 49ers so Rashawn, let's just hit you off with this off the top. This seems to be kind of, you know, the news story of the week uh, going on with the 49ers. You know, the 49ers, they're 6 of 36 on third down the last three games, and a lot of people are pointing fingers right at Jimmy Garoppolo. If you could characterize or maybe represent the 49ers fans this week, where are they with Jimmy Garoppolo's play right now? Well, I mean, it's it's been before this week. I mean, 49ers fans, since the Super Bowl, really? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's lost a lot of favor with 49ers fans. Like, they've been ready to get rid of him since then, since he overthrew Emmanuel Sanders. And I'm I'm different. I, I, I'm of the mindset that uh, Jimmy's an easy target, right? And so I, I'm a little bit more forgiving of Garoppolo. Like, you, we talk about the Super Bowl. Like, I don't even think he should have been in that position, right? Defense has a two-possession lead late in that fourth quarter. You think it's all set up for the Niners to win that game, right? And And – and if you go fast forward to today, where Niners fans are, um, they're completely frustrated. Obviously, you got this shiny new toy, number three overall pick and Trey Lance that, you know, everybody wants to get in there. And, and Corey, as you know, the most popular guy in town is always the backup quarterback, right? Especially if he's, exactly. if he's a top draft pick. And so Niners fans are, are a little disgruntled uh, with Jimmy. But, I mean, I, I point a lot of the fingers at Kyle. Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch. I think this is bigger than Jimmy. I think what we saw on Sunday night is is much bigger than Jimmy in, in terms of 
Kyle not necessarily putting him in situations to be successful in terms of Kyle waffling going back and forth with Jimmy and Trey Lance, you know, committed to putting Trey in there for a series or two here or there. Um, and it's and, and as Eric Davis, you know, says, you know, my partner on the Believe in 49ers podcast, they don't have a plan. They don't have a plan in terms of what they want to do um, at that quarterback position. You know, Kyle's kind of in love with Trey. He's, he's got this, this shiny new thing he wants to show off. Um, but by all accounts, everybody knew Trey was a, a project of sorts. He was going to need a year or so, but he's continued to kind of force feed Trey, you know, into the offense. And I think as a result, it's been a, a direct, um, it's directly affected Jimmy in a negative way and thereby the offense in a negative way. So, so when it comes down to the offense, do you think do you think it comes down to taking the pressure off him with the running game? Because uh, I, I see a lot of similarities with uh, you know San Francisco and, and Chicago Bears. That's we're a huge thing. We're talking the same language, right? yeah. Exactly. So I think I think that you know the running game at times like Chicago abandons it when it's going well. And you look at last game, you know Mitchell had 107 yards. He's averaging almost six yards a pop. It's almost like just take. It seems like a no brainer, right, to take the pressure off the quarterback, no matter who it is. But coaches like Kyle Shanahan, you know, Bill Lazor, Matt Nagy, he's trying to get too cute. Do you think that's kind of little what's going on there in San Francisco? We we literally just talked about this on the last pod yesterday, Corey. Um, it, it was, and to me now, it's becoming frustrating because now I, I'm I'm really starting to see like a pattern of behavior here from Kyle Shanahan, right? Like we saw it in the Super Bowl with the Falcons. We saw it in the Super Bowl with the Niners in, in a sense where, you know, you're up by two possessions. You got Raheem Mo like it should have been lights out, close the door, you know, Super Bowl championship going to the 49ers, in my opinion, right? You run the ball. Um, and then I even go back to just this past Sunday, right? Very first possession of the game, Niners drive down the field, and it's a bunch of Elijah Mitchell, and he's just gashing the Colts offense or defense, rather, right? And he gets it to the end zone for a touchdown. Indy runs one play, and, and, and Niners force a turnover there. They recover the fumble. Mitchell touched the ball one time on that ensuing drive. He, he got the first carry of the drive. It was a ten, it, it was an eleven yard run for a first down. He didn't touch the ball again after that. They end up having to settle for a field goal. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer in if you for if you force a turnover, you need to turn that into seven, not three. And, and I think that's a direct reflection of that. What you were talking about, Corey. Rashawn, if we can maybe flip over to the defensive side of things for the 49ers right now. I mean, the we have to. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, uh, just tell us, you know, fill Bears fans in a little bit. You know, what are some deficiencies on that unit? What are some of the weaknesses that you're seeing right now uh, that maybe, maybe the Bears can exploit in week eight? Everybody harkens back to 2019, and it was a great year, right? And, and last year was marred by just a, a historical amount of injuries. And so, one thing about that 2019 team was the defense was dominant. Uh, this is a good group, but not a dominant group. And and that's seen particularly in the secondary. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Nagy is going to try to take his shots against this team. Like, it's on film. Corey, you know this better than anybody, right? If it's on film, you know, other teams are like, oh, I can do that too, right? And, and so it was... I think it was written week two, I want to say, against the Eagles, where they were just taking their shots downfield and they were having success. You saw it on Sunday night, the Colts were taking their shots, and while they weren't completions, they were DPIs. And this Niners team leading the league in DPIs right now because they, they just have an issue uh, covering downfield. They're, the the lack of depth at the cornerback position and the inability to get hands on balls in the secondary as a whole has been uh, has been problematic for this team. Uh, you, you lose Jason Verrett, you know, week one, he's your number one corner. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley has kind of been into the lineup, you know, with, with injuries. He's your number two guy who's now been elevated to number one as a result of the, the Verrett injury. And now you're like bringing guys in like a Josh Norman or a Drake Kirkpatrick, or, you know, it, it's kind of like a, a, a mixed, mixed match of guys. And they just, teams are going to take their shots willingly and they've had success. So Rashawn, for, for you, uh, when I look at this 49ers defense, I think the strength of it is from the front. You know, you look at guys like Joey Bosa, you look at D Ford, Armstead, you know, guys like that. Th those are really the engine that, that runs that. How do you feel like they perform this year so far as a unit, that front four? I, I think they've been okay. Like, again, like you, you enter this season and like, make no mistake about it. Like, 
Niners had Super Bowl aspirations this season, right? And, and a lot of it was linked back to 2019 and, and feeling like you didn't get a chance to really run it back last season because of the injuries. And that defensive front was as good as any in the league back then. And, and, and you got, I mean, if you're going to win, you know, especially at a high level, you better have some dudes up front, right? And so I think they have the depth there. I don't know that it's been... The depth is there certainly as far as as far as numbers, but in terms of an impact, I don't know that it's been as great as that 2019 squad was. And um, obviously Bosa has come back from the injury. He's played extremely well. D Ford has been a huge surprise because there was talk in the offseason that he may not be able to play at all this year. And so he, he's come back and he's played well. Um, you're still waiting on Javon Kinlaw, your number one pick from last year, to kind of grow up and take that next step uh, a little bit. But I would say that that, that front four is – it's pretty good for the most part. Fred Warner, of course, you know, at the middle linebacker, he's one of the top linebackers in, in the entire league. So so you're pretty good at that linebacker spot. I mean, the, the weak link obviously is the secondary, but I would still like to see more from that defensive front. I would like to see more from, from Armstead. I mean, you mentioned him, and, and this has kind of been a sore spot with Niners fans in the sense that DeForest Buckner, you know, one, one of the top defensive linemen. I mean, he's probably the, the number one defensive tackle behind Aaron Donald, right, in, in the league, most people would agree. And they had to make a decision, right? And they ended up trading Defoe to the Colts and giving the money to Armstead, where, you know, it's hard to replace that productivity, and, and they haven't gotten that. Exactly. It's always tough in, in that regard. And, like, with the Bears' defense, it's, it's kind of slimmer. They have a great front four you know, feel good about the linebacker position. Uh, the Bears' pass rush on first and second down has been tremendous. Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, they've really been able to get home. Uh, Akeem Hicks when he's in there. But I feel like the with the Bears, the, the biggest problem, and Joey, we talk about this all the time, is the third and five to ten situations where they try to get home with four and they're not able to generate that same pressure. And, and that's kind of like the Achilles heel of the Bears defense this season is not being able to stop the run and then getting off on those third and long situations, normally where most teams are very successful on the third down. So that's that's kind of where the Bears struggle. And, and uh, so I look for the, the 49ers to try to get that running game going because Bear, Bears defensive front, we've struggled all year with, with stopping the run. It seems like if there's gashing runs on us and then you're able to mix and match what you want in, in the play action pass. Yeah, and Niners haven't been great against the run this year either. Um, you know, you saw Jonathan Taylor just kind of gash them on on Sunday night, and so that's they they they've been better. And I, I just <laughs> I just torched them with all the DPIs and everything, but they've been better against the pass than expected. But against the run, they've they've just been been torched this season. So it's I mean, you got a first year DC and, and D'Amico Ryan's. Um, the talent is certainly there, but I I, I think they've. At times they kind they've kind of overachieved, but then again it just goes back to the the part where, you know, maybe some would have been expecting this to be a dominant unit. It's not that. Like it's a it's a good to very good at times unit, and that just puts more onus on the offense to score points, which surprisingly a Kyle Shanahan led team isn't able to do. Yep. And so Rashawn, offensively, uh, real quick, Joey. Uh, so with George Kittle being out, right, you know, one of the best tight ends in the game, how much pressure do you think that is on, on Garoppolo? Um, just because every every great team out there has that great tight end that's a security blanket, right? It's, it's kind of like set up the run, then the play action, and then you have the zone beater at tight end, you know, a guy like Kittle that can stretch out, play wide receiver, that can do it all. How critical, you know, is he in that offense and how much are they missing him right now? It's interesting you say that, right, because – Kittle's a huge part of the offense, without a doubt, right? I mean, obviously, he's, you know, one of the best pass-catching tight ends there is in the league, but his impact on the run game is is phenomenal, right? Because, I mean, he, he mixes it up with the best of them. Um, that said, he's had his injuries, right? So this team is accustomed to being and playing without him. And, and I, I give credit to Kyle Shanahan because in the past, we've seen him be able to adapt without George Kittle in the lineup, and, and we've seen Jimmy have success. And so, yes, you do miss him. You do miss his presence. You definitely can tell when he's in the lineup. But I think they've been able to make up for him, um, you know, at times in the past. And, and I think even more so this season, you look at the strides that a guy like Debo Samuel has made. Um, he, he's kind of really emerging, you know, in, in, into a guy now for this, into a receiver, I want to say, for this offense. Like before he was like more of a gadget guy, you know, you give it to one of his rounds, this, that, or the other. But now he's he's kind of played like a receiver, right? I like to say like, 
Debo was a Debo looked like a running back playing receiver. Now he looks like a receiver playing receiver. Um, but I think the biggest issue is this whole back and forth with Brandon Ayuk, who you know behind Kittle probably is the number one target or should be the number one target on this team. But he and Kyle, like Kyle and and and, and BA and, and and John Lynch and BA, like they just can't get on the same page for whatever reason. And, and they've just kind of been torching him in the media, saying, you know, he's mm-hmm. he needs to take the next step, this, that, or the other. But at the same time, they're saying, oh, well, he works hard and he practices hard and this, that, and the other. So which one is it? Like, like I, I'm confused, right? And so the plan, the philosophy all around is is kind of it, it's it's getting kind of tired, like, like to, to be perfectly honest with you. And, and so I, I think that's, that's where it's more like, like, what are we doing? Like, why are we overthinking this thing? Right? Like BA had a phenomenal rookie season last year. Why aren't you using him? You know, um, why, why are you not putting Jimmy in, in positions to be successful? Uh, it just, it's, it's mind blowing to me, like in all honesty. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many similarities, Joey. Don't you think between these two teams right now? Like, it's like offensively, it's like dude. yeah, it's like it's like every everything like defensively as well, right? The front four, front seven is probably the strong suit. You know, the back end is is kind of been the issues offensively, right? It's talking about oh, we can run the ball well, but then we don't stick with it, and then oh, we put too much pressure on the quarterback. It's like yeah, how do we get Allen Robinson the ball? Exactly. Uh, you know I mean, and tight ends in the box. Um, yeah, and, it, it, and, yeah, it's. It's funny, you know, uh, Rashawn, you're bringing up, I watched a little bit of that Monday night game with Brandon Ayuk, and they're literally doing like four minutes, Collinsworth and Michaels on like, they're watching him on routes. And you know what I'm saying? Like, and then there's stuff that you see in the news of like, this is where Brandon Ayuk's wide open, and this is where Jimmy's not getting him the ball, and this is where the scheme concept is going this way and that way. And then you just hear about these guys that brought him in and are, are trying to praise him at the same time, saying he's got great practices, putting him in the doghouse on game days. It's uh, it's confusing. Is it NFL power play? Like I don't understand. It's it, it's mind blowing to me, and, and and it's frustrating with a bunch of bunch of the faithful, the Forty ers fans. Um, I mean they're just livid right now, right, because of the lack of the lack of reps that BA's been getting. Now it, it's picked up over the course of the last couple of weeks, but they're still like that back and forth, right? And so, I my my whole thing, well, not not me. These aren't my words. This is this is probably Eric Davis's words in the sense of like like why is this happening in the media? You know, like, like whatever, whatever's going on, you know, why can't we handle this behind closed doors? But like now it's happening in the media. And so you're making this guy out to be, you know, a bad guy, so to speak. But I mean, clearly the talent is there. Clearly we saw it a season ago, like he's capable of being a number one guy in this league. Uh, but for whatever reason, and I'm not sure what that is, right? Like they, they haven't been necessarily clear about it, but they've kind of waffled. They've kind of gone back and forth just the same way they've done the whole, you know, Trey Lance and, and Jimmy Garoppolo thing. Um, and so it's it, it's kind of it's mind blowing to me for what a season that had so much promise has, has definitely um, faded very quickly here with this four game losing streak. Corey, hop in on that real quick. In terms of uh, the the pie, the pie chart, if you will, when it gets loose out in the media to you, you know, what percentage is that? Is that loose lips? What percentage is that is trying to send a message about maybe something else? And, you know, yeah. how would you dice that up typically? I would say a lot of it's loose lips. You know, every every uh, every journalist out there has, has a source or a hidden source, whether it's uh, somebody on the team or somebody in the front office. And there's whisperings and, and uh, everybody has their informants, you know. Uh, so I think that's a lot of what to do with it. You know, some kind of disconnect, whether he was mouthing off to somebody in the front office or a coach, and they took that the wrong way because, you, you know, it is NFL guys, they have egos, and, and sometimes they're not getting the ball, they're not getting enough targets, attention, et cetera. Then, then they start to, you know, be verbal about it within the office, right? And then the problem happens when either, you know, that person that is angry, you know, talks to, to a media source, maybe, hey, this, this is off the record, you know. Hey, we have that race. You're not going to, we're not going to write this, but you know, there's whisperings and then somebody else talks about it and somebody else writes about it. So that's, that's usually how it works in that situation. So there's definitely some disconnect between him and the coaching staff or front office. And it could be a thing where the front office wants him to play and the coaching staff's like, no, I like this other person better. So that's, that's usually what it is. It comes down to a power structure sometimes with, you know, I, I know when I was there, uh, Phil Emery was the GM and he had, he had overtook when, uh, Lovey was there. He ended up firing him. And then Tressman comes in. And what he tried to do is just clean house. He's like, I don't like any of the guys that, you know, Jerry Angelo had. And I'm trying to wipe the team. Cause Joe, you remember that? Like there was, 
I think two or three guys, it was Kyle Long, Sherry McManus, and Jay Cutler were the only guys, I think three years after Emory was there. That was like the biggest t- turnover out of any team. He was making trades. You know? He was spending money. Yeah, he did a exactly. complete flip over. And, and, and went to a yeah. school and had top. Exactly. Top and, and and not to say that's the case in, in the 49ers, but sometimes there's a disconnect could be with John Lynch and Shanahan. And especially when stuff, when you're losing, you're not performing well, that's when everything gets tense. Right. And then, hey, that Shanahan might met, been my guy, you know, when things are going well. But now that, you know, things aren't going well, it's in the hot seat because ultimately if he doesn't perform well, I'm, I'm scrutinized. So it could be something like that. And he's like, I'm going to I want you to play this guy and I don't want you to play this. guy. And that's the point that that's interesting to me, because Kyle and John are pretty much atta- attached at the hip. Right. They were hired around the same time and they, they typically have the same message in terms of as it relates to B.A., like. John Lynch went on local radio in San Francisco kind of saying the same things that Shanahan was saying in the media openly about B.A. and, and him, wanting him to take the next step, this, that, or the other. But what's going to happen when or, you know, if these losses continue to mount up for Kyle, right? Like, how is that going to work? Like, at which part is is John going to split apart from Kyle and and sort of you know, start to say his own thing. And, and, you know, this may, this may not be working out. I think, I think, I think we're, we're a little bit away from that, but it, it's very interesting to think about how that could possibly take place. Because I mean, look, you look at it. I mean, Kyle's five years in, he's got a losing record. He had that one great year in which they went to the Super Bowl. You're 31 um, and 39, right? Just to be clear. Yeah. And, but, but he's, but he, but he has a winning record when Jimmy's his quarterback though, which is, which is interesting. Like he's, he's, when Jimmy's a quarterback, Kyle's great. But when, yeah. when anybody in there under center beside Jimmy, then, you know, the, the, the losses just sort of mount up. But one thing that I think has allow, allowed Kyle to do this is the security, right? Right after that Super Bowl, they gave him a six-year extension. So we're at least at least two years away from the Niners potentially making any kind of move as it relates to their head coach if this thing isn't turned around. And of course, you got a rookie quarterback who gives you a little bit of a leash too, as well as as you're you're trying to you know develop him whenever that takes place. So it's very interesting. I, I just I don't know that they had a plan going into this and, and, and if they did, it's not working out the way they thought, but it clearly looks like they didn't and, and, and they don't. Um, and so they're, they're trying to figure that out on the fly. And until they do that, um, it's not going to get any better. I tell you, it really stinks that our teams are playing each other this week because I feel like we're kindred football friends and <laughs> literally talking about the same stuff. Every the same issues. So. It's crazy. Believe in 49ers host uh, Rashawn Haylock here. We've got one final question for you. I typically like to ask this question of when we bring opponents on to talk on the pod uh, because sometimes it brings a lot of clarity to maybe what we're going for. The Chicago Bears will win in week eight if blank. <laughs> the Chicago Bears will win in week eight if. Whew, that's a good one. I think the Chicago Bears will win in week eight if. They exploit the Niners secondary, and if offensively the Niners continue to have this misidentity of sorts and 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 won't be able to put up any points. So I I the the only thing that gives me a little bit of hope in this game is that it's on the road because for whatever reason they can't win at home. Like <laughs> they, they they cannot win. They they haven't won a game at home in 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 years. Right. So. <laughs> the the only thing that gives me hope is that this game is in Chicago. Um, aside from that, I mean, I mean, this thing is, has slid downhill quickly. So I got I got one other question for you. So so score prediction, which I got to put you on the spot right now. What do what, what do you think, real quick? Ooh, score prediction. I go twenty four twenty one Niners. Oh, twenty one. Twenty four twenty one Niners. Yeah, and that twenty four okay. is a stretch there because I mean I I mean. That's, that's, that's for a lot of points for this offense that hasn't really hasn't really yeah. shown the ability to put put that that many points up since we won really so i I'll, yeah. I'll go i'll i'll go the the, the gold blooded in me will, will go 24 21 niners on the road oh he's a homer he's a homer <laughs> look at him <laughs> uh, hopefully hopefully in this this four game losing streak so that's that that that's my heart that's not my mind Corey. that's that's my heart yeah 
All right, I'm going to tell you real quick what my mind is saying, right? The Bears are coming off one of their worst losses this year, with the exception to the Browns, got embarrassed on national TV, and you can only go up. They're on the basement level, so we can only go up from here. They play well at home. That surface is tough to play at. Everyone talks about how terrible Soldier Field is for opposing uh, teams. So I think it's a game where the defense plays really well at home. Joey could attest to that. Like, they play well all year. I think this is the one that the Bears are going to get in a tight one. I think I think about 28-21 favor of the Bears. You know, I think I think they're going to get the running game going. I think they're going to exploit that secondary. I think this is going to be like that Lions type of performance that we saw from Justin Fields, Joey. Ooh. And I think this is where they get their confidence because these are two struggling teams right now. And if the Bears would have played well last week or won that game, I would probably have it in favor of the Niners. But I feel like losing that bad, you can only go up from here. I'll tell you what, Corey. Bears scored 28 points. That's a dub. That yeah, is a right. Dub. right. Bears scored 28. I, I say 25 or more, then that's very favorable for, for okay. Chicago. Well, we got a couple of offensive geniuses at the helm, and you know what? We just got to let them cook, man. This is only... Right? I just hope Kyle gets out of his own way. Like I, I just, I just, it just seems to me like he's just in his own way right now. And and I haven't, I covered Lane Kiffin when he was at USC, and it was like Lane's an incredible offensive mind, right? And but it, it, he just couldn't get out of his own way at times, you know. And that ultimately led to his demise there. I feel like the same thing is kind of happening here, um, you know, to a lesser degree with Kyle. Like like just. Like, don't overthink this thing. Like, we know, like, I, we know Kyle knows offense, you know, better or just as well as anybody in the league, right? Like, so just, let's not overthink this thing, right? But unfortunately, that hasn't been the case so far. So, you know, we'll see. Rashawn Haylock from Believe in 49ers. You can check out his pods with former, Bear, uh, former 49ers defensive back Eric Davis every single week while they do all the breakdowns for the 49ers moving, moving forward. Rashawn, man, thank you so much for making time and jumping on the pod, man. I had a great time talking. Appreciate to you. you, man. Yeah, dude, throw out your socials, please, so the good people listening to this pod can check out your guys' stuff moving forward. Yeah, I'm at our Haylock on Twitter, and then on Instagram, it's at Watch Ray Ray. Uh, so you feel free to hit us up there. Believe in 49ers. We we do two two pods a week during the season. Once you know, uh, in the off, once a week in the off season, and uh, we give a different approach, right? Like we're we're not like the the, the crazy fans that just fly off. Well, sometimes I fly off the handle, but Eric's like my therapist, you know, each and every week. So you know, oh, he, he talks brings, you off the ledge. Right? Yeah, he talks me off the ledge. So we, we bring we we sort of bring sort of a different approach to you know what what most of the other talking heads are saying. So yeah, go ahead, check us out. Well, great stuff, man. Thank you so much for the knowledge, and thank you for joining Believe in Bears. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, fellas. Yeah, no problem, bro. Coming back to Believe in Bears, we just had Rashawn Haylock from Believe in 49ers on talking about the 49ers side of things. And now me and Corey, we're going to suss through and preview Bears 49ers Week 8. But first, Corey, some news and notes. We're taping this on a Wednesday uh, mid-afternoon Chicago time. Ian Rappaport tweeted that Khalil Mack with an ailing foot is not expected to play this week. The Bears are actually considering to put him on IR with the Steelers in a bye week coming up. Robert Quinn's still on the COVID list. We don't know Akeem Hicks' situation with the groin. Corey, this is not good, man. These are three huge, huge pieces on our front four. Yeah, it's it, it's huge. And and you talk about the guys that have been playing really well, you know, uh, Khalil Mack, you know, uh, Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks. Ah, it's just, it's really tough right now, you know, and especially in the critical point of the season, three and four at this point, like this being the most important game that they played thus far. I know like at, at points you always say this is the most important game, but this is such a critical game because of some of the losses they've had before to get yourself back to 500. And uh, yeah, just, just possibly being without that presence up front, uh, three critical players uh, that are, integral for for the success of the defense possibly being out I mean that really changes things and, and I think this is really going to test Sean Desai and and how he is as a coordinator right you know they, they always say you know your test is when you have your best players out how are you going to call games how are you going to scheme up things to fill those voids right so when you talk about maybe potentially if those guys are out lack of pressure right how is he going to dial up that blitz package remember how we talked about how great Vic Fangio did right Pull out some of his old tapes and see, because, you know, at times, you know, Mac was banged up. Leonard Floyd wasn't performing well. You know, Akeem Hicks was out at times. Um, how was he able to get that same consistent pressure? And I think that's what it comes down to being disciplined. So I think this week is really going to test them on all facets defensively. I think this week is 
a huge, huge week for the Chicago Bears, and you you brought it up perfectly. They're at three and four right now. You start kind of looking through the schedule a little bit, and you're saying, you know, the Ravens are coming down the pipe. Cardinals at home, but hey, the Cardinals are undefeated right now, right? I mean, that's going to be a tough game. You got the Seahawks on there. There are certain weeks where you're like, we got to start picking up some wins here. The Bears are at home this week. They played really well at home, and and Cord, I was ready to bring out that stat. You know, Bears six takeaways in three home home games, right? And I was like, you know, I don't, have you ever seen the movie Point Break? Like Utah, give me two. Like that's what we needed yeah. from from this unit, and the possibility that all three of them might be out. Let me, yeah, let me throw it back at you. Like, what does if you are Sean Desai, and it is a rookie DC versus a Kyle Shanahan, who's an offensive guru and genius and all this stuff? It, are you are you are you blitzing Roquan Smith? Are you thinking more like Nickelback? You know, bringing some nickel blitzes. You know, how can you? Pre post snap disguise. What what do we do with someone that maybe might be down Mac Quinn and Hicks? Yeah, I, I think you you got to look at, at the pressures that they brought. What what do they do well? Right, you know some of those safety blitzes. Obviously, the blitz where you have you you know because of the sl- uh, slide the way the, the protection is sliding, which way Roquan has a one on one on the running back. You know that right off the bat. So bringing those plays. For him, one-on-one against a running back, I like that matchup 100% of the time. There's not a running back that can block him out there. Uh, I, I fully believe that. Um, so having him one-on-one, I think that's going to be critical. And then bringing some of that safety blitzes or some of those nickel, just disguising things. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, I, I think at times, you know, when Jimmy Garoppolo, people have disguised blitzes against him and pressured in his face. I mean, any quarterback, once they get that pressure in their face, I mean, it, it, they just want to get the ball out. They don't want to take hits. You know, he's at a point where he's got injured in his career because of a hit. So he doesn't want to take those hits anymore. So dial up the blitz early and often, second down blitz, third down blitzes. I'm, I'm going to be the most aggressive I have been this season if I'm showing the side because this game is so critical right now because both teams are, are you know, at, at a point, like, you know, that junction point in the season where you, you need to start stacking some wins. So it's going to be – Hey, you you could possibly be without three of your best guys. So how are, how are you going to feel that? Bring the pressure. And I would I would rather him get beat deep all day than them playing less aggressive and and you know letting a third and twelve happen, a third and fifteen, a third and eight. I'd I'd rather I'd rather them get beat deep, you know, than than you know playing passive aggressive defense. So I, I just I want to see him really dial it up this week. And that, that's been the key every week. But, you know, with those guys being out, especially, it's going to be so crucial. I, I think you're leading us right into – let's just dive right into our keys of the game. And if it's all right, I'm going to go first because you're yeah. literally talking about it here right now. My first key to the game was going to be takeaways. But also, you know, I think it's a little bit more of playing with the down and distance versus the 49ers, which is what you're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. 49ers in the last four games have thrown an interception in every single game, their last four. They've had a fumble lost in three of their last four. They've had four fumbles lost in that. They're turning the ball over right now, Corey. And there's also a lot of like analytic, you know, extra advanced stats about when the 49ers are in down and distances where it is a pure pass situation. Some of their O linemen, like McGlinchey and others, they're not their numbers aren't so great in pure pass blocking situations. So we need to get them in modes where not to say that we know what's coming, but maybe try and make them in these down and distances one dimensional where we know Jimmy's got to pass this ball and then decide, like you said, has got to cook it up just the right way. And again, three, six, we thought we were bad, four of 19 on third down. They are six of 36 on third downs over their last three games. Wow. That is not good. Even if our front four is right there, I think you're onto something here, Corey, about trying to scheme up different ways to either make Jimmy have a mistake or get us in a way where we kind of one-dimensionally know what they're going to do and try and exploit that. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing, because you look at the defense between when Vic Fangio was here, and then Chuck Pagano, and then now Sean Desai. It just it got progressively less with the takeaways, less with the sacks, et cetera. You know, I know sacks have been up this year, you know, first or second down, but talking about critical situations, right? You look at the the first year Matt Nagy was there, right, where they didn't have those dominant two two ends back to back. They were able to get pressure in other ways. You know, Roquan Smith, Trevathan, you know, bringing guys off the edge and bringing Eddie Jackson. And he just gave you so many different looks that, that had the offense worried. And then, you know, oh, he's giving you a look that's, that he's going to send people. And then all of a sudden he drop them. And then you confuse them in that regard. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, they're not bringing them on this. Play. Oh, they bring them up. And then all of a sudden it's this element of surprise. 
And that's what Sean Desai needs to do. That's that's what's been missing in this Bears defense. I think, you know, if Vic Fangio was here, I think they, they'd be leading the league in sacks by, by 20 sacks, honestly, because the way he could scheme up things. And now you have, you know, Robert Quinn in there. And it's, it's just a, a crazy element to the game. But I think that's the key is, is dialing up those blitzes, keeping the offense guessing. Because if you can keep them guessing, and it starts with stopping the run, like that first and foremost. If you can't stop the run, you can't really dial up blitzes the way you want to because that, that offense is going to keep you off balance when your job is to keep them off balance. So I think if they can stuff that run and then dial up that blitz, it can make up for these talented pass rushers possibly being out in this game. And Corey, you've been talking about this for weeks now, about what Desai needs to do to just make this defense more lethal. And I'll be honest, I've been going, searching on YouTube, looking around at some of the stuff that Buccaneers did against Justin Fields last week. And they're literally doing what you're talking about, where there was one play where I think they had Winfield uh, came up to the line and Fields correctly identified him as the blitzer. But then what they did after post-snap, Vita Vey, who's a defensive tackle, and Whitfield dropped off. They brought someone else from the other way, and now he had two deep. Now he had two people in a section where he thought was going to be empty. He had to move his eyes around. All of a sudden, it was confusing to him. Is what I'm kind of trying to say. Maybe people that don't understand what you're getting at on the technical side, and that's something that the Bears need to do on defense. Hopefully, against a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who's very prone to turnovers. Corey, uh, throw me, man. What's your first key? What's going to get us a victory in Week Eight? offensively right it comes down to, to the run game and I feel like that's been my key every week and every week we look at you know yards per carry whether it was Khalil Herbert you know Damian Williams you know when Montgomery was healthy it just made sense for them to run the football because that's what they're doing well that's what they're, that's what they're doing best right now offensively and it's going to make Justin Fields job that much easier it's like we're beating a dead horse um, you know that's what you need to do and I, these coaches over the course of the game, they try to get too cute. And I think that's what's happening with Shanahan as well. Um, these these offensive masterminds, we call them, they try to get too cute and overcomplicate things, right? Um, and I think it comes down to this, establishing the run game, establishing the run game. And, and it's something that maybe the first and second quarter is not going exactly how you want it to be, but you're sustaining drives. You're getting a first down. You maybe don't have points on the board, but what it does is it takes those body blows like, like a fighter, you know, in the course of a fight, you know, body blows, body blows. All of a sudden, you know, you break one of those big runs, boom, you throw a little haymaker. And then after that hard play action, oh, that's a knockout shot for a touchdown. Things like that add up. And that's that's how you get rhythm and consistency in offense. And right now, they're not able to do things like traditional offenses where you're able to mix and match what you want from, from, from the start, right? Just because Justin Fields doesn't feel comfortable yet fully in the passing game. But how do you get them comfortable in the football, right? Really establish that run, some hard play actions, boots, sprint outs, stuff, that, the easy completions that he can get his confidence up. Then he'll have that bounce in his step. Like I always talk about that Lions game. That's when he looked most comfortable. You know, he, he was playing with a different, different sense of swag out there. He wasn't worried. His body language wasn't, you know, negative. Um, he was confident in himself. And that's, that's how they have to get him back to a point. Because if, if you put the pressure on him, it's shown that he – he cannot sustain that right now. He's not. He's not ready for it. His psyche's not ready for it. He's not ready for it as as a player right now, and that's fine. He's a young guy, but take the pressure off him. You get some of those two tight end fronts, right? That's what I want to see early on. That's what he did in the Lions game, right? Let's have some of that. Have an extra tackle in there as well. Let's really try to establish this run game. Hey, they know we're running. Everybody knows we're running, but let's get three to four yards a pop, right? And that's how we make things easier. Then you get a situation where you're third and three possibly third and two as opposed to a third and eight third and nine third and ten situations like that when you consecutively do passing plays you know so I think that's the key and they just have to stick with it don't try to be too cute don't try to woo people and oh he could throw the ball that's not what we need right now we need a consistent run game because it's shown Khalil Herbert can do that right Damian Williams can do that um Montgomery obviously when he's in there but starts with the run game and and i say it every week we say it every week but it, it seems like they at some points they'll run the football and then all of a sudden they're like oh let's just do three passing plays in a row right here like why it doesn't make any sense it's just you're putting too much pressure on it if he gets in a groove and a rhythm throughout the game like the lions game where we saw a couple three consecutive passes when things are rocking yes that's fine but you you, you have to get the rhythm in there you have to get him comfortable before you can do that 
I'm really curious to see how we roll our game plan out this week. I really hope that we do exactly what you're talking about right now and just really just hammer it home because I think the news is out a little bit on one thing that, you know, I think we could probably just say about Justin Fields right now is he's having a hard time reading the blitz and the offensive line is not giving him a lot of time once that blitz shows up. So even if he was the veteran quarterback that knew where to go the ball right away, he doesn't even have a lot of time to get rid of it anyway. So we have to somehow get that off of our back. I want to kind of follow up with you on this though, because, you know, I was looking up some numbers I know that Rashawn came on earlier. He was talking about that front four. They're actually 20th in the NFL right now in sack percentage. They're not really getting to the quarterback in the top half of the NFL right now. So I'm seeing that as a hopefully a possible advantage for the Chicago Bears. What is it exactly? Do you feel like that, look, like we're still running, we're fifth in the NFL and running the football, but it still also feels like we're getting, we're, we're too predictable on our passing downs. Is that is that possible at the same time? We're like, I just feel like, we need to figure out a different way to scheme up those passing moments against hopefully a defense that has a very low sack percentage to give Justin Fields that time. Like, can we just give him two and a half, three seconds of time? Do you feel like we're being too predictable when we do try and run uh, pass the ball or do that play action? Yeah, I, I think sometimes when you, when you just have him in a straight gun, um, you know, you're letting them know, you know, right away what exactly we're doing. You're able to spread things out. And then, I think he he seems a little bit more comfortable under center at times, you know, in certain situations. I know you got to go to the gun, but I think it comes down to to running the football to get those third and manageable situations, you know, those third and second to four, five yards maybe at the most. I think, you know, second and four, that's, you know, third and second and four, that's that's the key in there. If you can get him in those manageable situations where a guy like Cole Komet, he's been able to target, like in those situations, right? The zone beater, the kind of security blanket, and then possibly Allen Robinson in there. So I think that's a situation where I'm hoping that they can just get into manageable situations because you look at getting successful in a passing game, it's all about that manageable. And that's why Tom Brady has done so well throughout his career, especially early on, right? Like, how do you think he got the confidence that he needed to be who he is today at 42 years old? Is is what do they say about, uh, you know, Tom Brady in New England. Oh, you know, these dink and dunk throws, this, that, and the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what did it do? It got it done. It moved the offense. He scored points. Nobody, nobody was a killer on any team. Like he didn't have, you look at his history of receivers, you know, probably the best receiver he's had is Randy Moss. And he was towards the end of his career, right? Like there was no, there was no like first ballot Hall of Famers that he played besides Randy Moss. That was the tail end. But there was no first ballot Hall of Famers that he played with at receiver position. You know, Gronk. Is, is definitely going to be a first. West Welker, talking about and the Hall of Very Good, Wes Welker, maybe, but yeah, that yeah, exactly later, later, later. Exactly, but you know he didn't he didn't have any you know guys that you know when you think about it you know guys like Amendola you know Julian Edelman who were were great in what they did, but the thing is what got him confidence was those short throws you know him able to, to do you know a quick slant a quick out. Um, getting the ball out quick, you know, getting that run game, getting those screens, those draws to get his confidence up. And that allowed him to continue to, to have that confidence as a quarterback, you know, and there's some people that just come out in the league and they have confidence day one. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what everyone hopes every quarterback will be, but that's not the case. So getting his confidence up, think Tom Brady, New England, some of those throws, dumbing things down, really sticking with the run game, you know, getting some screens, getting some draws, Mixing and matching, keeping that defense off balance. I keep always going back to also to Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year. I mean, if you remember, that was a dude that would throw for 115 yards in a game, hand the ball off to Jerome Bennis. They had a good defense, and no one cared, right? I mean, and won games. Yeah, they won games. That that's all that really mattered at that time. And I go back to I looked it up week two. Jalen Hurts. Here's his line: 190 passing yards, 82 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. You know, 82 might be a little overzealous there, but that's a really interesting template for a Justin Fields stat line, I think, heading into this week. You know, they give up the rushing touchdowns, these 49ers do in the red zone. They've given up four of them already of the season. That's something that could be right there. And, you know, we're averaging 124 passing yards a game. I don't think it's too much to ask for a little bit over that number. But, again, it doesn't need to be this vertical passing juggernaut to be successful, especially at home, especially against, I think, a San Francisco offense that is turning the ball over. And the San Francisco defense, which you, you know, Rashawn just illustrated too, you know, maybe there are some shots that you'll be able to take, but you got to do it smart and you got to continuously 
majority of the time running the football. Corey, what's your next key for a victory? So my my next key uh, has to has to do with you know offensively with the, with the passing game, right? Like you said, taking some of those shots. I think that's a big thing, right? Getting those third and manageable situations, but taking shots on first and second down, right? After a sudden change or a takeaway, right? Some of those plays, because like Rashawn said, that's kind of where the susceptible. And you look at what Justin Fields is most comfortable with in the passing game. Right. Once you get the running game going, those hard play action looks, that's when he's most confident. He knows he has the protection there. He feels comfortable. There's two tight ends like running back staying in. He's confident. He can sit back there. He can analyze stuff. And so really taking shots in those situations. Right. But starting with establishing that run game. So being able to take shots um, because I think they can exploit him there. But it's all it's all a build up to that point. Right. It's not right out the gate taking a shot. Right. Um, I know some coaches like that. Um, but on a sudden change, when you, but you said right after a turnover, that's one of my yeah. favorite things. Right. Everything's kind of chaotic. The coaches are kind of looking at the play, seeing what went wrong yeah. on the sidelines and yeah. just take that shot against a team that, as Rashawn said, most DPIs in the league. I'm with you. Yeah. So, you know what I like to see on on the because I feel like defensively he's talking about the penalties and being penalized. Uh, guys like D Ford and Joey Bosa always try to jump the snap. So on a, on a sudden change situation. Ladies, get them to jump off sides, get that free play, see the flag, see the flag being flashed, right? Know that you have a free play at that point and take a shot, yeah. right? That That's how you get a defense off balance, right? You know, make sure you see the flag. Don't think, no, and then take a shot. So situations like that, like being able to complete that long ball because, hey, um, you know, Justin Fields can get by if they get the running game going with completing, you know, throwing for 150 yards or something like that. But to get his confidence up, we're going to have to pass the ball deep at times. Right. And I think it's all about managing those opportunities and, and getting in there and, and building up his confidence in the pass game. Because then once you can know, like, oh, I got this running game, I got this running game. OK, let's set up that. And then guys like Allen Robinson, you know, guys like Mooney. That's that's really where they're going to make their hay right there. And I, I think that's so critical to Justin Fields development is, is being able to take the pressure off him. And then when you get him confident, open it up. Right. And, and then and then you, you have you have his confidence. He's reading things better. You know, he's, he's able to make and complete some of these throws and put them right on the money, because when he's confident, he's accurate. That Lions game tells you everything you need to know, you know. Um, they had a great plan for the Lions. And, you know, in my opinion, I think, you know, the 49ers have a talented front, um, you know, in Bosa and D Ford. Um, but I think I think if they scheme them up well, they can keep them at bay and just keep them off balance, right? When you have talented pass rushers, do some draws, right? That, that People sleep on how effective a good draw play is or a screenplay. What's the other yeah, that really keeps them. Screenplay. Last screenplay we yeah. read. Remember? I don't. Exactly. Yeah. So things like that just keep a talented front and talented pass rushers off balance. You know, give give a guy like Jason Peters some help, right? You know, because he's he's really talented at that draw. You know, I've seen him a couple of times. You know, knock Peppers over doing that. You know, when Peppers was in his prime, because Jason Peters is a physical guy. I mean, that's 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 one of the strongest guys I've ever seen play the game. I mean, he he picked up Peppers one time and you know dumped him on his. And I've never seen that. You know, like that's. That's something that doesn't happen. So, uh, yeah, he's still he's still got it. He's still got that old man strength. He's still got that old lineman. So let let's let's run to that left side. You know, I know traditionally, you know, most teams run to the right side, but let's run to that left side. Jason Peters and company, Cole Komet. You know, let's get Jimmy Jimmy uh, Graham in there. Let's let's really focus on the tight ends. Let's focus on the running game. You know, and if you focus on something, you put your attention to it, and you continue chipping away. It's going to open everything else up. And if you're going to run, you know, two tight end sets and do, you know, extra protection on the line, a reverse tight end screen, it's allowed in the NFL. Uh, we haven't exactly, haven't tried it, but um, yeah, great call on Jason Peters, who also, I guess, dropped some news this week that Larry Borum, I guess, is going to return to practice this week. And he also intimated that maybe Tevin Jenkins in the next couple of weeks might be back on the practice field, which I, I found kind of shocking. I mean. If the dude plays at all this year, I will be kind of surprised. Um, I want to get into my next key real quick because, dude, um, this is my favorite part of the pod is when we and you are almost on the same page with this stuff. And you mentioned the word earlier. You've been bringing up Allen Robinson. You said it earlier, and I have it written right here. We got to get our swagger back. 
It, this needs to be some sort of uh, – and I'm not saying, like, throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns, all right? I'm not that pie-in-the-sky meathead about it. But I think it's about getting back to where we found success against the Raiders and the Lions. And I think we need to, you know, we need to stack strong – positive Justin Fields plays again get him make some progress and and this also goes into my key as well as look the dude makes 17 million dollars he doesn't care what I think but this is this is an Allen Robinson game for me you know I I get it maybe he's a little banged up with his ankle right now but this guy catches 100 balls a year this guy literally kept the Mitch Trubisky train rolling of the hope of can he or can't he because Allen Robinson was there catching balls 50 50 balls and and catching stuff with you know zero open space in the field and i think if we're going to get justin fields feeling good about getting a little bit of that swagger getting some of that confidence when the ball comes out of his hands a little bit it's got to go to Allen robinson if you pull up the stats against the 49ers Devontae adams dk metcalf deandre hopkins and michael pittman they've all caught caught touchdowns against the 49ers those are all number one receivers in their respective teams mm-hmm. we got a number one receiver who needs to start getting the ball more I want to see Allen Robinson in the end zone this week, and I think the easiest way to get Justin Fields' confidence back in the passing game is to start targeting that dude more. I mean, we need to get that connection rolling because I just think, again, we, this is a show where we look long-term on this. We're looking for progress. This is something that needs to start progressing, I think, this week and moving forward. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, uh, yeah, for, for keys, that's, that's, that's all I got. I don't know if you have anything extra. I think this week it – it just comes down to execution, you know, because we could talk about this all day till we're blue in the face. We know what they know what they need to do. It's yep. a matter of them going out there. We we we've had the recipe every week, and and if if they would have executed the way you know it should have been, that that would result in a win or better performance. But I think this week, just my mantra is: just don't be too cute offensively, right, or defensively. Don't be cute. Be aggressive. You know, take chances, take risks. Like let's. Let's let's do this. Like we're at a critical junction in the season, and Matt Nagy's job, um, you know, it's 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 getting hot if if losses start mounting, right? And and this team as a whole, I think there's a good thing defensively. There's a good unit, and you know, if if God forbid, you know, they start losing games and stuff, and and staff change and players, and then the whole shift of this team and this dynamic could be gone. Because I think what happened initially when Matt Nagy came in, he energized everybody. Everyone bought into it, and and they believed in him, and they wanted to run through a wall. And it seems at a point like things have gotten stale, right? Yeah. So we have to be fresh. We yeah. have to be fresh with things, right? And and it doesn't mean trying things that you never did before. Maybe some plays here or there, but let's stick to our bread and butter, right? What everything is saying to run the football, right? Let's play good defense. Let's play gap discipline. So I want uh, this week, you know, I need gap discipline. I need him to dial up the blitz package, trying to decide that is offensively. Let's run the football. Let's rely on it. Let's continue. Let's stick with it. Get Justin Fields that confidence on some of those intermediate throws, those short throws. And then let's bring some of those draws and screens. Let's keep them off balance. Right. And then when they're thinking, boom, let's drop back on them. Let's keep them off balance. So defensively, offensively, let's keep the 49ers off balance this week. That's what I challenge this Bears team to do. And I think if they can do that, it's going to result in a win. Corey, man, you're so right. You were mentioned earlier in the pod, Phil Emery comes in and turns over the whole roster. We're kind of, that's where it's trending right now. And Matt Nagy and this group and this team and this coaching staff have every opportunity to turn that around and perhaps buy them a little bit more time. But I don't know if you've, have you ever done that hot ones challenge where they have the eight different peppers? Where are we at with Matt Nagy? Are we at number six? Is this ghost pepper time? I mean, be seven. I don't know, man. Close. We're close there, but yeah, I, it's such a critical time. And and I, I would just hate for, uh, you know, cause I feel like Matt Nagy, it, it is a is a good coach. I think the guys buy into him. But I think right now, you know, especially when you're not winning, that really tests guys to be like, do we really believe in this guy? And I think that's that's kind of what's chattering in the locker room. You know, I they may not say it, but I think guys are starting to lose a little bit of faith. How do you gain that faith again with some wins, with some good performances? So if they can stack, you know, win here, a win next week you know, continue stacking some wins, that's going to give them the confidence to say, okay, we trust this guy. We trust the process. We trust everything because right now they're, they're confidence is kind of wavering right now. So if they could, if they could get some wins, that would make them buy into everything more because you could just kind of tell the body language on some of these bad losses. It just seems like, like something's just not right. 
Well, and you know what? I, I don't want to throw it out there and make any speculative remarks, but it does make you think a little bit for a guy like Khalil Mack, who literally plays through injuries all the time. The dude is a warrior. He's a gladiator. I'm sure he's very, very hurt, but if the Bears weren't 3-4 and four right now, it does make you think whether he'd be on the field this week, right? And and whether exactly, you know, we're we're either going to win a couple games and I get healthy and I come back and we make a run at it, or you know what I mean. So, I, I don't want to put it out there like that, but it does kind of make you think a little bit. And this is one of those moments that you mentioned earlier where they really need to they really need to show who they are this week and yeah. do whatever they can to get a win. Corey, you said earlier in the pod, but throw me again. What's your final score for uh, Bears? Twenty twenty one Bears, and I think you know even even if. Uh, you know, Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn are out and possibly Hicks. Um, I still feel good about the Bears uh, coming back after a bad loss, playing at Soldier Field because they're familiar with that surface. I, I think they get up for the crowd. I think Sean Desai is going to have to dial up the blitz package. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts, especially if those guys are out. He knows like this has got to be my best, most aggressive performance. And if I'm going out, I'm going out with a bang. So I think he's going to dial up that blitz. I'm not confident in Jimmy Garoppolo, especially without uh, Kittles in there. I don't, I don't think he's confident without him. Um, the running game, they can run the ball well. But on this surface, I'm telling you, like it's harder for guys to run on this surface than they think. Because San Francisco is a fast field. It's usually warm out there. They're used to a certain way of cutting. And when you get to Soldier Field, it, you know, people say, you really reveal yourself right now because you know you, you really have to get your feet under you. And I think it's going to frustrate them. So I'm hoping that we can knock out the run, dial up the blitz. And I think Justin Fields is going to have a bounce back game because we've seen in his whole career after he has a bad performance, he bounces back. I'm not going to say he's going to light it up and throw four touchdowns anymore, but I think he's going to have a strong performance similar to that Lions game where he looks confident and they're going to establish that run game because they know what happened last time is not going to work from here on out. Um, I'm also picking the Bears to win this week. I'm going a little bit of a different direction, Corey. I'm still in show-me mode a little bit. Uh, I'm saying the Bears win 16-10. to 10, And I know that might sound great, but at the same time, I think we can see a lot of progress on our home field. I think that we can, even without maybe those main guys in the front, still pick up some takeaways, uh, make things hard for the 49ers out there. I think Jimmy G is good for an interception. Uh, whenever he takes the field, I would like to see that. And I think... A touchdown and three field goals, I think, can be viewed as progress for Justin Fields. I think the more time of possession that we have the ball on their side of the field, I think we can look at that as progress. Um, I would love the, for them to prove me wrong and score some more points, but I'm going with a low-scoring game. And after talking to Rashawn, man, it's like two teams looking at each other in a mirror, right? Yeah. With offensive yeah. genius. Yeah. Are we twins? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Who are Doppler, you? Do, was it Doppler Ganger or whatever? Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, low scoring game. I like us at home. Get back to four and four. Take care of some business. Hopefully heal up as we move forward and um, and then roll back. Hopefully 500 against a, a Pittsburgh Steelers team that has a really talented defense on a Monday night football game in Pittsburgh, which will be really interesting. Yeah. I'm terrible, a lot of terrible towels out there. Oh, buddy, in this house with my wife, a Steelers fan. Oh man, oh, no, we're already making bets. Uh, we're already gonna have negotiate bets of like what's gonna happen if I win, if she wins. We'll see. Could get wild, Could get wild and chaotic. <laughs> uh, so to believe in bears was presented by BetOnline.ag. Fifty percent bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code Believe Fifty B L E A V Fifty. Joey Sports Guy on Instagram and Twitter. Like and follow this podcast. If you've already listened and come back a second time, thank you so much. But try and tell a friend to check out our pod. Uh, Corey's doing such an amazing job previewing and also talking about the games afterwards, what these Bears need to do. One day they'll listen to them. They have a couple of times. It turned into victories, so it's all good. Uh, Corey, man, take us home. Send out your socials on another great pod. Yep. Yep, at Corey Wooten, C-O-R-E-Y-W-2-O's, two T's, O-N, on Instagram and Twitter. And, yeah, having a, having a blast doing this with Joey, uh, breaking down the Bears games and, you know, kind of the keys to success. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, that we could they could unlock the potential that I know is there, especially offensively. You know, I think that's where they're really struggling as a unit. And I think if they can get things going, because they have the weapons at receiver, they have the weapons at running back. It's just putting everything together. And all you need sometimes is one performance just to give you that confidence. And that's what they need going forward. And I think what better 
and a struggling 49ers team this week that's kind of trying to find their identity without their ace tight end in the blocking game and the catching pass catching game. I think it's it's crucial to catch them when they're out. You know, I know we have some injuries and we're banged up. But I think this is a huge confidence building week that we can get a W here, feel good about everything, feel good about 500. And then going into that Pittsburgh game where you know Ben Roethlisberger has been struggling this season and you know you're able to get after him. You got me pumped up, Corey. That was awesome, man. Uh, thank you so much for checking out this pod. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, this week and the rest of the week, happy Halloween. And, oh, yeah, bear down. Bear down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.